This episode of Gareth Jones on Speed features the words tiny, delicate, brilliant, cosy, beige, and weaponry, along with Welsh words ergogarth and wibernant, and the English word yes, said with great emphasis. Why? Well, you're about to find out. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I am Gareth. As usual, I'm driving to North Wales. How many times have I said that on this programme? I'm driving to North Wales. Answers on a postcard, please, to Gareth Jones, stuck in traffic somewhere between London and North Wales. Although I have to admit, I'm actually going to North Wales for a very different route to the one I normally take, which is, because I live in North London, I go A1, A406, M1, M6, bail off and then do some country roads, or perhaps the M56 to the A55, North Wales, and then I'm there. But today, I've took a very different route. I went from my home in North London to Reading. So I had to cross London and go west, which is usually rubbish. But to be fair, today, it was brilliant. I don't know what happened. The timing of it was perfect, but I don't think I've ever crossed London so quickly in all my life. And then I arrived in Reading to pick up the car that I'm driving right now, which is a Porsche 718 Boxster. Yes. <laughs> yes. 350 brake horsepower of orange convertible mid-engined six-speed Porsche fun and it's the manual as well and as is the won't when you're doing a car review you always have to start with a first thing you notice and the first thing I noticed about this car is how remarkable the gear changes. It wasn't that long ago I was driving that exotic Vantage V12 and the gearbox on that car, it was manly, you know, it required a bit of muscle, but it needed an awful lot of energy and focus compared to the sheer joy of this switch box. That's what it is. It's like a tiny switch box. It feels like moving matchsticks around in a matchbox. Tiny, delicate movements. Not quite Lotus tiny, but still tiny. You probably notice that I'm in traffic at the moment. I'm on the M40 at the moment. Actually, the M42, I think. Having gone from Reading, I'm now heading up towards Birmingham to make my way to North Wales. And because it's 10 past five, I'm in the thick of it. Yeah, in the thick of it, which means lots of stop-start traffic on the motorway. But luckily, this car has got stop-start. So every time I stop, the engine cuts out and it starts up again. And do you know what? It sounds like a Porsche. Listen. It's a four-cylinder, two-and-a-half litre. Rather like the four-cylinder, two-and-a-half litre in Zog's Porsche 944 Turbo, which is the only other Porsche I have ever driven. This one, of course, is a Boxster, a flat four. And that's quite something, you know. Porsche have 
downsized the engine in the Boxster, but they've still produced a car that can do 177 miles per hour and produces 350 brake horsepower from a four-cylinder. That's quite an achievement, isn't it? That's proper... Oh, I've stalled it. <laughs> Dear me. That's proper Porsche engineering, isn't it? Fair play, getting the most out of a small block. So it's definitely a purist's Porsche, this. And being mid-engine, you can hear that the engine is immediately behind you. Can you hear it? In fact, you'll probably hear it even better if I press the exhaust button, which uh, allows me to make more noise. Listen. Yeah, rather like that Jag XFR I had. It's got buttons which makes it louder if you want it to, adding a little bit of theater. As if this car wasn't dramatic enough already. It's orange, you know, proper orange. Not tangerine, not papaya, orange. This is Jaffa orange. And so you notice this car, um, to be fair, people tend to peel out of the way. It's quite a low car. And I've found that if I'm in the fast lane and I come up behind people, they get out of the way long before I'm close to them. It's just the colour, they notice the colour. It's not that I'm harrying them or right on their tail because I don't drive like that. They just peel out of the way. Orange cars, good way of getting noticed. So here's my tip. If you're going to drive a car that is capable of going fast, get a really, really obvious colour like yellow or orange and people get out of the way. Either that or paint it white and put a blue light on the roof and work for the police. Don't put a blue light on a white car if you're not a police officer because you get done for impersonating a police officer. Oh, interesting. A gold BMW 5 Series going the other way with blue lights flashing behind the grille. That was a plain clothes police car. Was it gold? Yeah, gold, bronze, something like that. Bronze, yeah. So... What have I noticed? Well, the most extraordinary thing about this car so far is the steering rack. Wow. I don't know how many turns it is lock to lock, but I bet it's less than a quarter of a turn, <laughs> judging by my experiences of the car so far. Yeah, yeah, exaggerating. Tiny, tiny, tiny movements allow you to change from lane to lane really tiny movement so the steering lock i would imagine is probably 2.2 turns lock to lock it's wonderful yeah the amount of movement required to make this car change lanes or go around the corner is so small it's practically thought controlled this car is a bit like firefox and by that i don't mean the orange browser i mean firefox the futuristic Russian fighter because Firefox has got thought operated weaponry. This car's almost like it's got thought control because the amount of movement I have to make on the steering and also the throttle too is tiny. I remember a long time ago Williams saying that Jacques Villeneuve and Damon Hill had very different throttle setups for their car. Damon's got big size 11 or 12 feet and he likes a really long pedal that he can 
control the throttle very, you know, finely with large movements. Whereas Jacques Villeneuve liked the throttle that was basically an on-off button. Well, I would say that Jacques Villeneuve would be very happy with the throttle in this car. It really is on-off. Very, very small amount of movement. And do you know what? I really like that. It's a new experience for me. And I haven't found it jerky. I haven't found that... I wish I had more movement. I like the fact that it's just a tiny press and bang, suddenly you're flying. The pedals, I haven't noticed that they're close together. I often worry that someone like me, or in fact me, with me size 10 boots, and often I wear brothel creepers, that I'm not going to be able to wear those in a sports car. Now, I'm not wearing them in this car, but I reckon I could actually wear them without any difficulty. The footwell doesn't seem cramped at all. It's not super generous, but it doesn't seem cramped. Not once have I, you know, caught my foot on an adjacent pedal, which did happen once in the Vantage. And that's a much bigger car than this. It's really nice driving this car, having driven the Vantage recently, because these sort of hyper-performance cars are nice to make comparisons between. The Vantage, of course. Oh, here's another police car. Uh, this one's beige. A 5 Series with lights behind the grill again. There were also two blue ones that went past as well. What's all this about? Quite a lot of traffic at the moment. You know, the Vantage was an incredible, dramatic, purposeful machine. This 718 or 718 Boxster is nimble and taut. It's as taut as the leather inside. I'm surrounded by nicely stitched leather and it seems really taut. There's no plushness to the leather. It's stretched really tight over the bodywork beneath, which I'm sure weighs nothing. I don't know what the figures are. I'm going to have to look into it. But, you know, a car with a four-cylinder engine and a turbo is going to weigh an awful lot less than a car with a V12 engine sitting up front. And I haven't really done much other than some A-road driving, some motorway driving, and a few roundabouts yet. I'm going to have to wait till I get to Wales to find out just how taut this thing is. There are lots of buttons. There's a button to make it sound a bit more sporty. Uh, there is a button to alter the dampers. I think there are two settings. I'm on the regular setting at the moment. I will try the taut setting when I'm on a taut road. <laughs> I can't wait for that. But you sit very much in this car. I feel very low in this car. I had the roof off and it was nice and sunny. And then when the sun went in, it got chilly. So I turned on the electric heated seating and I was really cosseted, really cosy, sitting in a car with proper sports seats. Well, it is a Porsche. It is a proper sports car. I'm wondering what Zog would think about this car. I can imagine, you know, he's a Porsche fan. Does he think that the Boxster is a bit girly? Forgive me for saying that. I don't think there is such a thing as a girly car because that's been unkind to girls. 
but you know this 718 Boxster this is a proper sports car with the roof off and you know my theory if you want a real sports car it has to have no roof because technically it feels like a sports prototype then otherwise it's just a GT car or a coupe there's no doubting this is a sports car you can tell because this gearbox wants you to play with it there is another version of this of course the PDK with paddles I didn't know which one I was going to have waiting for me at Porsche in Reading and I was kind of hoping that it was going to be the PDK a bit of paddle fun but having driven this for 80 miles so far I'm loving the manual gearbox this is a really terrific terrific gearbox lots of fun uh, there's also a dial the trouble is often when you get given a car you're never really fully briefed on the car and I try and read up a little bit about it beforehand but you know you often get in a car and you think oh how do I open the fuel or where's the handbrake control it's an automatic release on the handbrake or it's a party parking brake with an electric button down in the footwell for me to press but um, there's also a curious dial on the steering wheel like a funny little pod in between two of the three spokes on the dial which I can rotate which I can't read without my glasses and we put my glasses on I'll tell you what it says there's drive well D S S plus and I now I would imagine D is regular drive or oh oh maybe it's a zero and a one okay and the S would be sport and the S plus would be sport plus well I'm in the zero mode at the moment if I dial it round to I that's individual I now get a reading which has come up on the screen I go around to sport sport plus or just sport interesting well I'll leave it on zero which is normal at the moment individual I would imagine would require me to set it up and I haven't had the opportunity to do that at the moment so as I'm on a bit of motorway and we're traveling at 22 miles per hour I don't need to have anything other than off at the moment oh I tell you what was really nice I was jiggling along because I think you do jiggle in a sports car like this and the sun went down and it got cool and I thought well, I better put the roof up so I can record this program so I just slowed down to 25 28 miles per hour pressed the button and the roof came over and locked you know without me having to stop or crawl it was no problem whatsoever really nice bit of engineering because that's what Porsche do well they're an engineering company aren't they a sports engineering company and they've certainly engineered the, the hood on this car and by hood I don't mean the bonnet I mean the canvas hood that covers the cabin engineered that to work really well it was power hood not like that lovely little MX-5 I had which was a manual hood that was no problem at all to operate but this power hood really did work well talking about practicality and uh, how this compares to the oh lovely cheeky little brum 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 sounds like a Porsche doesn't it <laughs> it really does talking about practicality this car I think I've got this right it's got a total of is it 270 liters boot space 
I hesitated before I said boot space because it's got two boots. It's got a boot in the back and a boot in the front, a bunt and a boot. And I've got quite a lot of stuff with me for one reason or another, and it's fitted in easily. And that's really quite something, you know? A mid-engine car, you never expect to have a lot of luggage space in a mid-engine car, but this has got plenty, one on the front, one on the back. Loving it, loving it. I'm loving my Porsche experience. And as you know, I never really get to know what a car's like in the first couple of hours of driving. You get to know when you've had it for a few days. And I've got this one for a week. So I will tell you what it's like when I've driven it through this awful traffic and around Wales for a bit. And I'm very much looking forward to that. And I'm very much looking forward to telling you what that's like. Hello, it's a few days after I last spoke to you. I picked this car up on a Wednesday. It's now Monday morning. And I spent Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in North Wales in a mid-engine 350 brake horsepower sports car. So I'm sure you can fill in the blanks now. Ah, Gareth's been having a very good time. I really have. Not just because the weather has been exemplary. It's been total sunshine the whole time, which is quite rare really for North Wales at this time of the year. But basically it meant I've driven this car with the roof off the whole time. The only time I've put the lid up is to record this program so we don't have too much wind noise. I'm just pulling onto the A55 now, the North Wales Expressway. I'm leaving Llandidnod Junction and heading towards Trelawned where my brother lives. I'm staying there tonight and then I'm off to Liverpool to do a thing tomorrow. Wow, what a few days I've had driving around. I spent most of it, yes I know I'm crossing a lane, just the first time I've heard a warning on this car. That's me filtering onto the A55 from a slip road and I've never heard it do that before. Good. <coughs> it waited until you're recording, doesn't it? So in the few days I've had driving this car around with the roof off, I've had plenty of opportunity to get to know it. And for oh, in summation, I think this is probably the greatest driving machine I've ever driven. And I include in that the Lotus Exige I had, the Lotus Evora, and everything beneath it. I include the Aston Martin V12 Vantage. That was a very different experience. This is far more usable. You know, the Vantage was a great motorway and A-road car, but if I was going to come to North Wales and have the ability to request any car again, I would request this. In fact, I've become a bit of a Porsche file. I've just looked in my mirror and I can see a silver Porsche coming up behind me now. I've become a bit of a Porsche file. Such a Porsche file that when other Porsches go the other way, I've taken to waving or flashing my lights. 
I haven't done that for a very long time. Slow down to 48 miles per hour now because I go through Colwyn Bay, it's 50 miles per hour, so I'm, I'm being good. Oh, it's another rag top behind. That's nice. Yeah, I've always admired Porsche. They're famous for their engineering and their ability to develop proper sports cars and their ability to win Le Mans repeatedly. And I was kind of hoping that Toyota would win Le Mans this year because they really won it last year but didn't. And so, you know, it's deservedly their race this year. But I've been so impressed with this car these last few days. I've become such a Porsche file that I now I think I want Porsche to win. This car, because it's got a tiny engine, rather like the uh, Porsche that races that V4 that they race at Le Mans, this has got a flat four. The fact that it's got such a tiny engine is what's made it such a great driver's car. You know the way that when Ford put the EcoBoost three-cylinder engine in the Fiesta and the Focus, all the journalists in the world said, heavens to Murgatroyd, this is a sensational car to drive, simply because of the lightness of the engine. I think the same rule applies to this car. This little Turbo 4 in the middle of the car is so light that this car's lack of angular momentum means that it turns on a sixpence. It's an incredible thing. I took it up a gogarth, as we call it in Welsh. You'll know it as the Great Orm. And if you go around the scenic drive and then take the road from the scenic drive up to the summit, there are two hairpins that make the Stelvio Pass look like the M1. All oh, these are tight. And I chose to do this driving up that bit of road around about five, seven o'clock in the evening, when there wasn't very much in the way of traffic around. So I was able to go up there fairly quickly with no fear of meeting anyone going the other way. And those hairpins, oh, the joy of tucking the front end of this car in and that little back end just popping around to meet you, utterly, utterly, utterly intoxicating. It turns on a sixpence, or perhaps even a threepence, or even the new pound coin, which I think matches the threepence exactly in terms of size and shape. I've been blown away by this thing, truly blown away. Been really impressed with the ergonomics. It's ever so comfortable. I remember when I first got in the car, thinking, mmm, cosy, you know, comfy, like a cesspool. Who sang that song? Comfy like a cesspool, I wanna be with you. I can't remember her name. American singer, husky voice, fantastic. Um, not Missy Elliott. Hey, it'll come, you'll know before me. But to say this car is comfy like a cesspool is very unkind, because there's nothing cesspool about this. I guess what she means is that the cesspool is warm, and it's amazing what you can get used to. And this car is warm, it's cosy, it cossets you. I'm just watching this other Porsche, who's gonna pass me now that the speed has changed. Let's see if he acknowledges me and I acknowledge him. Yes, we're waving. It's a Boxster, the previous generation Boxster in silver. Can you hear the smile in my voice? Isn't that funny? And um, 
yeah, comfy like a cesspool. I guess she means it's warm and cosy because a cesspool will have a chemical reaction that will generate heat. And this is cosy, you know, you sit low, you're gripped by the sports seats, the electrically heated sports seats, which are very nice, around about seven o'clock in the evening. You can have the roof off, plenty of fresh air, but still enjoy the heat from the heated seats. Nice. Yeah, the ergonomics of this car are very good. What I do like is the fact that the steering wheel has got nothing on it. No buttons on the steering wheel whatsoever. It's a round, leathery, lovely steering wheel with one gnarled rotary dial on a little leg that sits between the three o'clock and the six o'clock arms of the steering wheel. Like I told you when I first got in it, it has four settings, off, sport, sport plus and individual. Now, I haven't experimented with individual, neither have I experimented with sport plus because I would imagine that's for track days. But the sport setting, oh, heavens to Ferdinand. Woo! I drove from Mould, where my sister lives, to Trelawned, where my brother lives, the other day, and rather go along the dual carriageway, the A55, I made the decision to go along the old Mould Denby Road, this little wiggly, wiggly, wiggly road, which I've known for many years, and I put the car in sport mode for it, because it was late at night, there was no traffic, and I suddenly, in that one part of the journey, discovered the communicative abilities of this car. How it allows you to get a flow, you know, you go into the zone. And it came alive for me in a satisfying way that I can't remember since I drove, I don't know, that Exige Tri-Fuel, that 270 brake horsepower, super lightweight thing. And that was communicative, but this was every bit as communicative in sport mode. And of course, when you put it in sport mode, it pops and crackles because the exhaust note changes. It opens up baffles in the rear, which allows the exhaust to make some lovely, lovely, lovely noises. Do you know what? I'm going to come off the A55. I'm going to drive to my brother's down the old coach road, I think, because it's much more fun. This is what I've discovered with this car, is that if you've got an option, would you go on the dual carriageway, would you go on the A road or the B road, going on the B road is always the better idea. Or is it they say, I chose the road less travelled? That's what this car does. In fact, there's one bit of road there, like I say, I spent two days driving around Snowdonia. I went with my old friend Carol to see some tourist sites. We went to a place called Timaur Wibernant, which means Wibernant Great House or Big House, which is where a man called Arescob William Morgan was born, the Bishop William Morgan. Now, he was the man who translated the Bible into Welsh in 1588. Now, you wouldn't think as a man of science, me, that that was important. Yes, it was important for the spread of Christianity in Wales. It basically, having the Bible translated into Welsh, reinvented Wales as a Protestant country rather than a Catholic country. It was Queen Elizabeth I who commissioned that work. 
But what it, it did was it standardised the Welsh language. Having one book, which every household would read, of course, written in Welsh, meant that Welsh became standardised. And the version of Welsh that was standardised is pretty much the version of Welsh I've grown up speaking from North Wales, slightly further west of me, northwest Wales, the, the Welsh spoken in Gwynedd, the local dialect there became standardised Welsh thanks to the Bible. So, sorry I've gone really off topic now, <laughs> nothing to do with cars, a little bit of history. So I went to all these wonderful places in North Wales in this wonderful car and Snowdonia opened up for me. One road that I enjoyed driving was from Penmachno, which is not far from Dolwydelan, where Tidmawr River Nant is. And I drove, you know, take my advice, if ever you're in North Wales and you've got a driver's car, don't bother doing this with anything other than a proper driver's car, drive from Penmachno, or Dolwydelan, to Festinyog and take the back road so you'll end up in Blyna Festinyog, the rainiest place in North Wales but you'll pass through San Festinyog first, Festinyog Church and this road goes over the mountains in Snowdonia. I wouldn't even say it was a B road, it was less than that. Breathtakingly flowing, open road and you can see for miles because it's up on a plateau you can see that there's no cars coming so you're able to see ahead and drive at wonderful velocities so having done that later in the day we called in Tremadog which is near Porthmadog then drove from Tremadog to Conwy but the route the car took us sort of via Carnarvon uh, took me on a road parallel to the Welsh Highland Railway you know we have this lovely mountain railway that goes to Portmadog in North Wales I've never been on this road before I don't know quite why the sat-nav found this road but it did and I'm very grateful that it did and it is one of the most amazing roads hear that? I'm on a nice little road now. Does that sound nice? Yes, it sounds nice. It's, uh, it's got a button which allows the uh, the noise in the exhaust to uh, be a bit fruity and I, I like it when it sounds like that. It masks the harshness of the boxer engine. The exhaust note is lovely and when you put the car in sport mode it allows that fruitiness to sing Anyway, where was I? I was driving along an incredible bit of road out of Tremadog and possibly some of the greatest, most satisfying driving I've ever done and that includes driving, you know, C-Class Coupe Black Series around Goodwood and Mercedes SLS to Belgium and Teslas and V12 Vantage and Jaguar XFRs, all startling, satisfying vehicles to pilot for very different reasons, but nothing prepared me for just how communicative this extraordinary 
little car is. That's what I like about it. It's a little car, very handy. If you're driving tiny, tiny roads in North Wales, there could be no way in the world that I could drive the Aston Martin Vantage at pace around these tiny roads in North Wales in the way that I could drive this Boxster. No way in the universe. I did mean to tell you about the ergonomics of this car. I ended up telling you about the seat, but I didn't tell you about the dash. Traffic's opened up again. Nice. The wheel is just a wheel. And you've got three stalks, one for your lights and indicator, one for your wipers and other stuff, and a third one lower down, which is your stalk for the controls of all the other stuff, like the third display. The three displays, being a Porsche and being a proper sports car, it's got the taco in the middle, telling me my revs, speedo, slightly smaller to the left and to the right, all my other functions. And the third column stalk gives me control of all the other functions. At the moment, it's showing my tyre pressures, which are all 2.5 bar, which is nice to know after all the driving I've done that the pressures remain constant. Just navigating a damp roundabout there and I'm being a little circumspect because with 350 brake horsepower in a mid-engine car I don't want it to swap ends and this is the first time I've driven the car in the wet so uh, I'm being cautious. Um, so at the moment it's telling me my tyre pressures are good. I can switch to a chrono which allows me to do lap times. It's got a stopwatch. Hit it again. A gear change assist. It's telling me what gear to be in, which is a bit pointless on this car. I know what gear to be in. The one that allows me to go quickly. And the one that tickles me is the G-force indicator. You know, in video games and F1 coverage on television, you see a g-force indicator you know a circle with a yellow dot in the middle which tells you you know how much g you're pulling at the moment the acceleration was 0.6 g i would imagine more than 1.2 g and you're swapping ends I, I don't know i don't really see the point of it quite frankly because it's very hard to read because if you're pulling that sort of g you don't want to be reading a gauge, you want to be reading the road. So if that G-force indicator kept a log of its recordings, that would be useful. But as a real-time indicator, utterly pointless. Scroll through it again, and I get a summary of turbo pressure, temperature, oil temperature, and oil pressure all in four horizontal easy to read classic sports car layout nice you kind of want to know that stuff then a bit of detail about my media it's connected to my bluetooth connected to my phone and vodafone and then another hit and it gives me a second lovely graphic of my sat nav hit it again it gives me my navigation window so I can scroll through previous destinations and easy access things without having to look at the big screen in the center console hit it again 
and it gives a summary of my fuel consumption, my drive time, and it tells me I've averaged 27 miles to the gallon on this little trip today. They say that the average miles per gallon in this is about 33, but I think you probably have to be driving very gently to achieve that. And this car doesn't encourage gentle driving. Let me be clear on this. You know, I like to mention Star Trek pretty much every time I drive a car. Well, this car makes me think of Khan because I can't remember the exact words, but in The Wrath of Khan, the second Star Trek movie, Khan says about Kirk that he tempts me, he calls me, he demands me to challenge him. And this car is the same, it's a temptress. It tempts you to drive more and more quickly. It rewards every time. In fact, I observed at one point whilst driving around Snowdonia, when we found roundabouts, I would often go round the roundabout twice because it just made you gulp. It was so wonderful, that lateral force, that sitting down in between the wheels rather than above it, so there's no roll. And at one point, I, 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 I was following a bunch of cars and they were going slowly around the roundabout, so I thought, oh, there's no point to this. So I went around the roundabout twice and still caught up with the cars as they exited the roundabout practically, you know what I mean? You could do that on this car. You can go round and round about twice and still catch up with cars. It's unbelievable. I went right up very North Wales frequencies there, didn't I? Unbelievable. That's how it makes you feel. Now, I'm driving through Desert at the moment. Desert, some people say, but Desert, pronounced more correctly, towards my brother's house. And there's a, a cash guy in front of me, so I'm just going to let him go because one of my favourite bits of road is coming up which is Desert Hill. I remember having to push my school bus up this hill. I'm going very, 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 very slowly. So he goes out of the way, and then I'm gonna go up this hill at a reasonable speed. The speed, has he gone now? Right, here we go. Lovely. You can feel the traction control nibbling away there. And I've caught him up and I'm only halfway up the hill. What a shame. What a shame. Yeah. Utterly smitten by this car. Utterly blown away. I can recommend if you're looking for a driver's car. This is it. And it's surprisingly practical. I think I've said before that it has very generous boot space front and rear. Which is a real surprise. I reckon you could actually do Le Mans in this car. You could put a small two-man tent in the front and your sleeping bag and stuff in the back and a pair of walking boots and probably one change of clothes for two people would would fit in this car I've got a bit of space behind the seat I reckon I could get my sleeping bag and stuff behind the seat here I'm five foot ten and a half I'm Mr. Average and I found a perfect seating position for this car and I think I'm like I've observed before, when I drive manual cars, I expect to get backache because I don't use my left leg a lot of the time, but I have experienced no aches and pains from this car at all. In fact, I would say that it's probably cured the trapped tendon in my neck that I've suffered from recently because 
honestly I've had no discomfort the last few days so yeah sorry to wax lyrical about the most incredible driving machine I think I may ever have driven you know I said that the Aston Martin Vantage V12 was not only the fastest car I've driven on Gareth Jones on speed but almost certainly the fastest car I would ever drive on Gareth Jones on speed that is true but only to a certain extent that would be the fastest car in a straight line in that it has the highest top speed but I would argue very very strongly that this little lightweight four-cylinder car is the fastest car round corners I could possibly hope for on Gareth Jones on speed the way this thing changes direction with its little lightweight mid-engine is nothing short of sensational. I look forward to driving the Evora 400, which I hope to organise, because that's probably the nearest thing to this in terms of its ability to change direction easily. And I wonder if they do that as a convertible, because you know me, I like a car without a roof. Right, I've arrived at my brother's going to shut down this lovely little burbling athletic sprint machine and thank you for listening to me having a lovely time in the most steerable car ever this was gareth jones on speed i was gareth see ya get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. That quote from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, that I couldn't remember in detail earlier on, goes like this. He tasks me, he tasks me, and I shall have him. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia, and round the Antares maelstrom, and round perdition's flames, before I give him up. And the name of the artist who sang the lyric, Comfy Like a Cesspool, was of course, Macy Gray, from the Fat Boy Slim song, Demons. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>